Did you know that sometimes people don't pay attention to sermons? In this passage, we find that there was a man who was in the crowd listening to Jesus preach. What was Jesus preaching on? It said many thousands of people had gathered and Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. He was talking about the fact that some may have to struggle or suffer because of the kingdom of God and that the Holy Spirit would give them the words when they were called up to um, defend their faith uh, and they were not to worry even though their allegiance to the kingdom might cause them stress. And a man comes up to Jesus and says, Make my brother share the inheritance with me. Totally off topic. Now, some of us have had that experience. At the door, uh, when we were gathering in the sanctuary, someone will say something about the sermon, and I have no idea how they got to where they were from what I said. But to them, it made perfect sense. And I think that's because we all deal with our own uh, inner thoughts, and our inner thoughts uh, affect what we hear. Now, Jesus says, be careful, man. The way you're thinking is not good. The, his very words are, watch out. Be on your guard. Because this man, in failing to hear about the kingdom of God and focusing on his own issues, was missing the opportunity to connect with eternal life. One pastor said, in light of this man's inability to listen or his um, unwillingness to listen, preaching is the fine art of talking in someone else's sleep. I hope that's not true for you today. Because I want to point out two things that Jesus shows us in his response to this man. When verse 15 he says, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So, greed is selfishness. So the first thing Jesus points out is the lie of self. And the second thing he points out is the lie of stuff. When he says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So let's look first at the lie of self. This man couldn't hear what Jesus was saying because he was so preoccupied with his frustration with his brother. So Jesus talks, uh, responds with a parable, the parable of a man who is so caught up in his own stuff that he doesn't even think about others. Look at uh, the man in this parable, verse 17. He thought to himself, in verse 18, he said, and no one else is around, so who's he saying it to? Himself. And then in 19, and I'll say to myself. The man is caught up in himself. And Jesus says, be careful of the lie of self. In fact, in this passage, Jesus calls the man a fool. The man in the parable. Now we would say, but didn't he, and it says here he, 
his ground produced a good crop and he saved it all up and he said, now I can retire, now I can rest, now I can eat, drink, and be merry because I have enough stuff. Now, isn't that what we're told to do? Isn't that how we're uh, encouraged to live, to plan well and to accumulate enough stuff so that we can relax? But the problem was that this man had contingencies around contingency plans around all his stuff, around his life, except for the most important part of his life, which is the end. He did not plan, did not even consider that his life might be demanded from him. And what did we learn when God calls him a fool? What did we learn the opposite of a fool is? The opposite of a fool is a wise person. And in all of our studies through Proverbs, we continue to hear the phrase, wisdom is competency with regard to the realities of life. And we might say, well, this guy had that. He lived a good life. He was successful. But he forgets the two most important things. The two important things we looked at last week. What are we called... To do what are, what are the two commandments that sum up everything? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This man forgot about God, and he forgot about others. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. And Proverbs 9.10, among many other Proverbs, says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This man forgot that he, he owed his life and even his success to God. And then he forgets the second most important thing, love your neighbor as yourself. Pope Francis said this, rivers do not drink their own water, trees do not eat their own fruit, the sun does not shine on itself, and flowers do not spread their fragrance for themselves. Living for others is a rule of nature. We are born to help each other. This man had forgotten that. He had more than enough. And what was his solution? Not to give some away, not even to sell some of it, but to store it up, to tear down his barns and build bigger barns to hold his stuff so that he could eat, drink, and be merry. And when God confronts him at the end, saying, your soul will be demanded of you this very night, God continues to say, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This man ended up being a blessing to other people, but not by his own choice, by his own death. And that's not how we want to live our lives. We want to bless people while we are alive. A wise person seeks God first and seeks to bless others second. Does not seek self first. So, the lie of self is one to be avoided. The second is the lie of stuff. Now, Back in the 80s, um, George Carlin had a routine about stuff, and many of you old enough probably remember it. Now, I've had to change some words from what Carlin said, because Carlin is not really a Christian preacher. Uh, he is a comedian who um, 
uses non-preacher words. But here's what he said, edited for your enjoyment. The whole meaning of life is trying to find a place for your stuff. All you need in life is a little place for your stuff. You, you know, I can, he's speaking to a, a crowd where people are sitting at tables and he says, I can see it on your table. Everyone's got a little place for your stuff. This is my stuff, that's your stuff, and that's his stuff over there. That's all you need in life, a little place for your stuff. That's all your house is, a place to keep your stuff. A house is just a pile of stuff with a cover on it. You can see it when you're flying on a plane. You look down, you see everybody's got a little pile of stuff, a little, all the little piles of stuff. And when you leave your house, you gotta lock it up because you don't want anyone to steal your stuff. They always take the good stuff. They never bother with that junk you're saving. They're just not interested in your fourth grade arithmetic papers. All they want is the shiny stuff. That's what your house is, a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. Sometimes you gotta move, gotta get a bigger house. Why? Because your current house has no room for your stuff. Have you ever noticed when you go to someone else's house? You never quite feel 100% at home. You know why? Because there's no room for your stuff. Somebody else's stuff is all over the place, and if you stay overnight, they give you a little bedroom to sleep in, but the dresser's filled with their stuff. There's no place for your stuff. And their stuff? It's junk. Did you ever notice? Other people's stuff is junk, but your junk is stuff. It's an American issue. We love our stuff. There are more storage units in America than anywhere else because we have believed that stuff is important. And I think a lot of those storage units, just like a lot of our basements and garages, are filled with stuff we haven't looked at for decades. You store it away because you need your stuff but you never really need your stuff. One person said we're lured to stuff like a fly is lured to flypaper, and the fly sees the brand new piece of flypaper. He's the first fly on it, and he goes, once he's stuck on that flypaper, he says, this is my flypaper. And the flypaper says, this is my fly. And the flypaper is right. And the fly has lost its life. Now, it's important to point out that the problem of stuff or uh, commitment to stuff isn't wealth per se. The problem of greed isn't wealth per se. Difference between prosperity and greed is that prosperity is having. Greed is rooted in overvaluing. The Proverbs that we looked at uh, for a number of weeks earlier in the year uh, commend hard work. They commend production. But the key is to guard your heart against what that stuff will do to your heart. You know, there are a lot of people who don't have a lot of money who are, or are just as um, overwhelmed, overtaken, by stuff and the idea of stuff, the idea of wealth as those who have a lot of wealth because their hearts long for more. 
just like the wealthy long for more, the poor can long for more. And why do we long for more? Because we believe that more stuff will fill our hearts. We believe that more stuff will make us feel better about ourselves. And the advertisers love this. I mean, you see it all the time on TV ads, on billboards. Get this and you will have a life that is finally satisfied. And it's never true. Stuff, the accumulation of stuff, the thought that stuff will make my life worthwhile is a lie. And it's not wrong to have stuff. But it is foolish to let that stuff rule your heart. The man in the parable completely forgets about God. It's interesting in verse 16, Jesus says, the ground of a certain rich man produced an abundant harvest. Did the man produce the harvest? Of course, the man worked hard. The man did what he needed to do. But it's the ground that produced the harvest. It is God at work that allowed this man to produce this harvest. But he forgot about God. One person said it's very... It's, Important when you're considering how to live your life, not to do it from the beginning perspective, but to do it from the end perspective. When I look back from my deathbed, what will I think are the most important things? And anything that I think is important along the way that I don't think is important then is pointless. It's foolish. It's like you're on a trip. Many people live their lives as if they're on a trip and they find a great route. They find a route that has very little traffic and they're zipping along that highway making great time. And they say, I'm making great time. This is a great trip. Until they look at the map and realize they're going the wrong way. Making great progress in the wrong direction is not progress at all. And many people find a route through life that feels right, that feels like it's the way to go, and society might tell you it's the way to go, but if you're going the wrong way, you're not going where you need to be. We understand that God is the source of our lives, that God controls our lives as we live them, or impacts our lives as we live them, watches over our lives as we live them, and in the end, we will answer to God. So trust God. Jesus, after he tells the parable, says, look at the flowers, look at the birds. They're not working hard to get more stuff. Because the birds receive from God all that they need. And the flowers receive from God all that they need. And it's not, just, it's not just what they need for life, but look at them. They're beautiful. God is generous and gracious and gives us what we need and allows us to experience beauty and even makes us beautiful, makes us worthy, makes us worthwhile, gives our lives value. And the mistake that so many make is to 
measure their life's value by their stuff. Don't do it. It's all about your heart. Where is your heart oriented? Around money? Around fame? Around fortune? Or is your heart oriented around God and other people? Jesus, in verse 29, says, Do not worry. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink or on what you wear. Don't let your heart be overwhelmed by these things. And then in verse 34, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, treasure God and allow your heart to refocus on what is truly important, on loving God and loving others. Now, some people will say, well, I, I have succeeded in life. I have received a lot of wealth, and I believe that that's a blessing from God, and I would not argue against that. And they say, because I have done so well, I believe that's God's endorsement on my life, on my lifestyle. That I might disagree with. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, but wealth can be not only a gift from God, and, but at the same time a test from God. God wonders how you will use your wealth and knows that how you use your wealth will reflect what's in your heart. So don't assume that just because you're blessed with uh, worldly wealth that that means it's God's stamp of approval on your life. God may entrust you with that wealth, but wait for you to use it and see how you use it for yourself for your stuff, or for his glory and blessing others. I think the key to our hearts, the key to discerning what's in our hearts, is how we live and what we value. And Jesus said, these, or Paul said, these remain faith, hope, and love. These are the measures of a life lived for God. So, do you have faith regarding stuff, wealth? Do you believe that God will provide for you? Do you have that wonderful confidence that in plenty and in want, God will provide what you need? Hope is your hope in the kingdom of God? Is your hope in the promises of God? Or do you allow your hope to be caught up in the things of this world? In what do you place your deepest and truest hope? And finally, love. Do you love God enough to trust God to provide for you? Do you love others enough to give to them? Do you love God enough to give to God's kingdom and the kingdom's work? Jesus says, be careful, watch out, be on your guard, because greed and possessions can rob you of life.